0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. The hardest of hearts can change. The prodigal who's been gone for years can't come home. The spouse who struggles with the addiction and and relapses can find sobriety. The parent who can't seem to say that they are sorry one day can be softened to the point of saying i could have done better i am really sorry we might give up on people but god never gives up on us not while we're here in this life welcome to hope for the day with pastor philip holland throughout history people have longed to understand what god's will is for their life We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph in this sermon series we'll be examining the life of joseph in the book of genesis to uncover the main theme of god's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way please enjoy the message today we're continuing in a sermon series on the life of joseph and in this life of joseph study from the book of genesis we're focusing in today on chapters 43 44 and a part of uh, chapter 45 and uh and i we're going to dig in deep on that i was reading uh not long ago about a missionary couple named david flood and Sylvia flood they're from sweden and they felt compelled to go into the heartland of africa specifically belgian congo we know of it today as zaire and they, they felt compelled to go there but this is a rather remote area so they go into this particular part of africa and they have another couple who partners with them their names are the ericsons And they go into this very remote region of the Belgian Congo and it's there that they attempt to try to reach one particular village that they felt like the Lord was leading them to. But they couldn't get into the village because the chief of the village wouldn't allow them in. He felt like allowing missionaries to come in would anger the other gods that they worshipped and so there was quite a bit of resistance to these missionary couples. And as a result of that, the Ericsons and the floods had to uh, situate themselves about a half a mile away from the village. Now again, the chief not wanting to anger his gods, felt like he had to show some kindness to these uh, foreigners. And so a couple times a week, he would send out a little boy with some food because without assistance, there was no way they would ever survive in, in that particular uh, environment and with that terrain. And so he sends out the, this little boy a few times a week. And the floods and the Ericsson saw this as an opportunity to share the gospel with at least somebody in the village with hopes of getting further inroads. And they do. And after several months of talking to this young young boy about Jesus, he decided to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and to receive the salvation that was possible with faith in him. But but the conditions would deteriorate. Malaria would spread amongst the families. The Eriksons would eventually leave, and they would go back to the hub of the mission activity there in the Belgian Congo. But the floods would stay a little longer. Sivia would find herself pregnant, and sadly, after, after the pregnancy and giving birth to the little girl who they named Anya, uh, she would pass away just a little over a month later. And David Flood was absolutely disoriented, frustrated, bitter, angry at God for what it is that had transpired. I mean, after all, he had left everything behind, sacrificed so much to go to this particular part of the world to share the gospel. Wouldn't God honor that? Well, in this case, in his eyes, God did not and so he takes this young Ina baby and he goes back to the hub of the mission activity there in the belgian congo and he gives aina to the ericsons and he says i have to go to sweden i'm in no condition to raise this little girl i just can't do it and so he essentially hands her over he doesn't want her the Eriksons, sadly, shortly after that, are poisoned by a local chef who didn't like missionaries and was against them because, again, they would anger the gods. So the Eriksons are, are literally on their deathbeds and they pass off Ina to another couple who, after having her and themselves could not have children, they come back to the States and they settle here and they rename her Aggie. Now, if you think about Aggie's story and the amount of hurt and pain that she had to go through, specifically a father who gave her up, who didn't want her, the kind of pain and hurt that would come along with that is pretty significant. Unless you've gone through it personally, it's really hard to even fathom and imagine. But something that we all have in common here is this is that we all have some sort of pain and hurt that we've gone through from someone or something that we still have with us today and maybe it was in a fit of a rage a a spouse made some comments that they should have never made and even though time has passed you still have not been able to quite get past that hurt from those comments or it's a child who has told you they don't want you a part of their life. Even though you made so many sacrifices for that child growing up, as they were growing up, you, they don't want any part of your life. Or it's a business partner of yours who has cheated you out of money. Or maybe it was the spouse that was unfaithful. Or, or maybe it was just a friend who betrayed you. Maybe it's some kind of organization or institution that wasn't there for you when you needed them. And as a result of that, there is hurt that we have. And when it comes to that kind of hurt, we're brought to a crossroads that Joseph, as we're gonna find out, is brought to as well. It's a crossroads of forgiveness or vengeance and retaliation. What is interesting about so many of the classic stories and even modern ones today, is that a very common theme in those stories is one of vengeance. You know, whether it's Agamemnon's story from homer's iliad or various shakespearean writings like hamlet the merchant of venice moby dick count of monte christos all of those are stories about how we will retaliate when we are hurt what's interesting about the story of joseph is that he literally has the fate of the people who have hurt him in his hand think about that person who has hurt you that feeling of pain that you still hang on to. My hope is that through this story and the principles we can draw from it today, that you can take a step. A step towards forgiveness or a step to forgive. Because vengeance is not ours to be had, but forgiveness is ours to offer. And that's what Joseph does in this story. But before we can get to that, we gotta pick up in chapter 43. And it's here that the brothers have come back. They left Simeon behind in Egypt. The brothers have come back to their father in Canaan. And it's there that they have eaten the food that that they brought back. And if you'll remember, Joseph put all of the silver that they had brought to Egypt to pay for the food back in the bags. And so the brothers are there and they're a little bit scared and they aren't exactly sure how to handle the situation, but they're at least enjoying the little bit of food that they have that they were able to get from Egypt. And so two years into this incredibly intense famine is where we begin reading in 43. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more. Go back and buy us a little more food. There are a few things in life that are more traumatic and debilitating than a famine. Hopefully we never have to experience that. Hopefully we never have to consider the implications of a famine. But for these particular individuals, they are going through it and it is unbelievably humbling for them. And so Judah said to him, referring to Jacob, the man, warned us solemnly, the man. In the original Hebrew here, this word the man is in, is like you're describing a judge it's someone with significant authority it's someone whose word you need to take seriously and the man has given them a warning the man warned us solemnly you will not see my face again unless your brother referring to Benjamin is with you Joseph's full brother Benjamin and so judah there's a subtle change that's happening here in genesis judah has increasingly become the lead of the family jacob's still the head of the family because he's still alive but judah's really the leader now reuben's fallen out of standing with with everybody because he uh, had that uh, because he slept with uh, his father's concubine so he's been sidelined as a result of that decision that lack of self-control and judah's the leader and we're going to see that more and more as this story develops Israel, referring to Jacob, asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? He's saying, why did you give all this information out about our family? Haven't I taught you anything? You don't, you don't, you don't tell people about us. Keep it to yourself. They replied, but the man, the man, the one who literally has his, our lives in his hand, the only place that we can go to to give food, that man questioned us closely. Thinking that we were spies, if you'll remember, about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living, he asked. Do you have another brother? I mean, everybody has a father, so is he still alive? There's already all of you. I mean, there's, there's all these brothers here. Is there another one? I mean, it's not unreasonable what he's asking. How are we to know? He would say, bring your brother down here. And there's a sense of desperation with Judah. He's saying to them, he's saying to his father, "We didn't know, and we can't do anything about it. But if if we're going to survive, we have to take him down there." And then Judas said to Israel, Jacob, his father, "Send the boy along with me, and we will go at once, so that we and you and our children may live and not die." You feel the desperation that they are experiencing in this moment. I myself will guarantee his safety. I myself. Reuben promised two of his sons previously. So there was progress there. But Judah promises himself. He says, I will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I did not bring him back to you, and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all of my life. This teaches us how the hardest of hearts, Judah. When Judah looked at the situation long ago with Joseph and, and him and the sister, and he said, don't leave him there to die. We got to get something out of this thing. Sell him off into slavery. He'll die along the way, on the way down to Egypt. Let's get something out of it. That was Judah years before. That ought to give us hope for those that have hurt us. That ought to give you hope if you're somebody who has hurt another. The hardest of hearts can change. The prodigal who's been gone for years can't come home. The spouse who struggles with the addiction and and relapses can find sobriety. The parent who can't seem to say that they are sorry one day can be softened to the point of saying i could have done better i am really sorry we might give up on people but god never gives up on us not while we're here in this life and so jacob acquiesces take your brother also and go back to the man at once and may God Almighty grant you mercy until so there's an element of faith before the, ma- the man so that he will let your brother, other brother, referring to Simeon and Benjamin, come back with you. As for me, I am bere- if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. There's a sense of fatalism here. There's a sense of God is Almighty. He cares about our family. He has promised so much to us. But then there's this other sense of doubt of fatalism again of thinking it's just i don't know what's going to happen it doesn't seem like it's really going to work out that well for us jacob is living in this space that we can find ourselves in maybe you find yourself in right now of faith and of doubt there there isn't there aren't many things in life that can have a duality to us like hurt it can cause us to doubt and to drift back It can cause us to trust and to lean in. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. Joni Erickson Tata, a paraplegic who wrote many books, she said this, "'God gives us the grace to doubt, "'and yet at the same time believe that he is really there.'" And so the brothers, this is an incredible story. I mean, I'm just, really all today is me just reading the story to you. So the brothers go down to Egypt, and they take their sacks that are empty with them, with the silver that they had meant to pay the first time with them as well, but they're scared. They're wondering, what's going to happen? How are they going to respond? Are they going to think that we stole this money or that we uh, somehow didn't want to pay for what it is that we've received? They don't really know what exactly is going to happen. So they're formulating this story, this, this speech that they are going to give. And they go to one of Joseph's attendants and they explain, we didn't mean to do this. I'm not sure exactly how it happened. And they go on and on and on and on. And, on. and then all of a sudden there's this, like the attendant just interrupts. He's like, oh, hold on. It's all right. The Hebrew word here is shalom. The attendant can sense the fear, the anxiety, the concern. We can have that, especially when we think we've really done something wrong. He said, It's all right. It's okay. Don't be afraid. And Joseph clearly shared with him these following words to share Your God, the God of your Father. has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver, but now God has given them back to you. We can have aspects of our life, 5%, 10% of our life, it's just hurt, it's broken. There needs to be some progress made with some of those spaces. And we can be so focused in on that thing, whatever that thing is. And I'm not saying it's not significant. It is, and it's important. But you can get so focused on that thing that you forget about the other 90, 95% of your life that's just oozing with blessing. And it's, it's just the fact that you can come to church today. It's beautiful outside, and you get to come in. Hopefully, you you get encouraged by the worship songs. Maybe you get a little something out of the message that's shared. But you get to be here. Like, this is such a blessing. You have health. You have a place to live. You have food. You're not in the midst of a famine. You you have kids, many of you. You have have a spouse. You have all these great things going on, but we can get so focused on that one thing that we don't see the blessing. And they needed a pagan to remind them, God has given all this back to you we received it but don't worry about it because God wanted to give that back to you and so they go on and the brothers come to Joseph and he asked them how they were doing and then he said how's this aged father of yours that you told me about notice he said you told me about it so he's still not ready to quite end the masquerade how's that father of yours that you had mentioned is he is he still living they replied Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down. Yet again, this dream that had caused so many issues long ago being fulfilled. Prostrating themselves before him. Again, there's a way that difficult circumstances can humble somebody. Even the most proud of people. And as he looked about, he saw his brother, Benjamin. His own mother's son. And he asked, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? Some of you have half siblings. And maybe in that same home, you have or had a full sibling. You care and you you love those half siblings, but there's something special as far as the connection that you can have with a full sibling. And this is what Joseph and Benjamin are experiencing right now, even though Benjamin doesn't know that it's taking place. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about, he said? God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother as this moment is sinking in, Joseph hurried off and looked for a place to weep. He went into a private room and wept there. And then the meal is to be served. And this is important. So the meal is gonna be served and Joseph will be at his table because he is uh, so supreme in the land of Egypt. His attendants will be at another table because they are not, but they're Egyptian. And then the Hebrews are yet at another table because the Egyptians always see themselves as being separate from others, superior to others. And this is important. Because you might ask the question, well, why did God have to send them to Egypt? Why did there have to be slavery? Why was there an exodus? And we'll get to the story of the exodus some other time. Why did all that have to happen? Why did they have to go through this? Here's why. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their family would have, in Canaan, intermarried with the Canaanites. Undoubtedly, those gods would have come into the family. And then as a result of that, God would not have had a people that were his own, a pure people, a holy people. And so he takes them from the land of Canaan and he takes them to the one place that those Egyptians will have nothing to do with them. And in that space, for 400 years, a nation will grow and develop. And the Egyptians will have nothing to do with them and they are pure and they are holy and from them will come a people that the Messiah will come. And people will worship for millennia to come. People like you and I. And why did god choose them it wasn't because of how great they are it wasn't because of how intelligent they are it wasn't because of how strong they were it's because he just loved them and that's it and so there at the table let's read the description of it joseph had the men seated before him in the order of their ages from the firstborn to the youngest and they looked around at each other absolutely astonished how did he get this kind of information when portions were served to them from joseph's table benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's and so they feasted and drank freely when was the last time there was great favoritism shown to one to one of the brothers it was with joseph And the brothers hated him for it. They despised him for it. But they've changed. The unsettling of the situation around them, the treatment of Joseph, they're they're learning from their own mistakes. They've changed. And do they now resent the fact that Benjamin has received more than them? That he is getting favored? No. They're just happy that they can sit and eat and drink freely. They could care less about that because they care so much about him. They're changing right here before our eyes as we read these words. And then Joseph. So all the men, they come together, and then Joseph gives these instructions to the steward of the house. As they set off, fill the men's sack with as much food as they can carry. Put each man's silver in the mouth of the sack, and then put my cup, this important cup, valuable cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, referring to Benjamin, along with the silver for his grain. And he did, as Joseph said, he did all of this. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday?